You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. So it's quiet around the NFL. We've got rookies reporting in a little over a week for most teams across the league. So we're all eagerly awaiting the start of training camp. And in case you haven't been paying attention to the conversations around the National Football League this week, ESPN is put out their top 10 lists where you know they talk to coaches executives all that stuff and then rank the best players at every position throughout the entire national football league of course the uh biggest snub on the list this week and the biggest conversation starter has been their quarterback list that excluded ravens quarterback lamar jackson so we're going to get into some of those positional rankings and talk about the biggest snubs and the guys that just really don't make sense to us when uh, we're, we're talking about a rankings list like this. So let me welcome in Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. And I mentioned Lamar Jackson already. Let me run through the top 10 really quick. And it's Aaron Rodgers, number one, Patrick Mahomes at number two, Josh Allen at number three, Tom Brady at number four, Joe Burrow, number five, Matthew Stafford, number six, Justin Herbert, number seven, Russell Wilson at number eight, Deshaun Watson at number nine, and Dak Prescott at number 10. Lamar was the top honorable mention on this list. I think it's offensive that Lamar Jackson was left off this list, especially when they decided to include Deshaun Watson in the rankings for whatever reason. Yeah, first it's like, okay, so he was hurt toward the end of the year. He missed some games, so maybe that's why. And then you see Deshaun Watson, who didn't play at all. Um, I think the executives and just looking at the rest of the rankings, they, well, obviously there's a lot of bias involved when they, when they do these rankings and there might be, um, it might just be based off how they feel about a player previously, you know, whether that's leading up to the draft, whether that's preparation for a player. Um, But in Lamar's case, I'm not sure that there's a quarterback who has as much on his plate or who does as much for his team. um, And by that, I mean, think about what Baltimore does. Think about, how they line up, think about what their running game revolves around, think about what their passing game revolves around. It's all number eight. Like Lamar is the offense. And then when you're looking at all these other quarterbacks who they have to throw the ball to compared to who Lamar has to throw the ball to, like last year was a rookie, like Rashad Bateman, that's it. And even Bateman didn't get off to like a hot starter. Um, Didn't he miss the first few games with an injury or whatnot? So like, how does that not get factored in when talking about Lamar? And still, like, every primetime game, it feels like Lamar makes a wow play every quarter. Like, not every game. He saves that offense pretty much every quarter. And just, like, what he brings to the table as far as creating, um, just putting pressure on defenses 
there's no way he's not a top 10 quarterback. So, I mean, it's a silly list, but I'd love to just put a mic in front of their face and say, why? Like, what, what is your reasoning for not having Lamar over this guy, over that guy? And, and I'm not sure that they'd be able to give us an answer. Uh, Justice, what do you think? I think this is great for Ravens ownership. Right, it almost seems like a list built for Ravens ownership. Right, contract propaganda. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's actually what it is. I think people just make bad decisions, and this is a great example of like, wow, this is what you know people in the league think. That's kind of crazy sometimes. Um, I, I, at least the Watson stuff. If you're just looking on the field, I understand how you would have them in the same tier. The two guys who I don't understand how they're on the list and Jackson isn't is Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. And I think those guys are, you know, solid quarterbacks, but like, I don't think they do what Lamar does. Like those are the two. I'm like, how is this even a conversation? The other thing too is, uh, you know, Burrow at number five, someone put him as high as number two, you know, the number two quarterback in the league. There's no way we're putting him there after the regular season. Right. And if one play goes wrong in the Raiders game in wild card weekend, we're not having close to this conversation. But now we perceive him as something crazy because they won a bunch of close games and got to the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't, I just don't get anointing Burrow at this point. Just on Russ, real quick, like Seattle was pretty limited on offense last year. They can't throw over the middle. To be limited with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who I'm sure we'll get into. Like those are two of the best wide the best wide receivers in the NFL. And you mentioned they can't throw over the middle. That's because of Russ. That's not because yes. of anything else. It's not Pete Carroll's fault. It's not Brian Schottenheimer's fault. It's because of Russ. And a lot of times when I watch them, it's um one, two, three, turn my back and run, try to get outside the pocket and try to make something happen down the field. And you have to win inside of the structure of the offense. And Lamar does that. He does it all the freaking time. Lamar was a legit MVP contender the first half of the year before, you know, all the injuries started happening, not just to their offense, but also their defense. And the team kind of, you know, fell into the back burner of our thoughts. Like Lamar was the best passing. Yeah. We had, we had seen. Yeah. I, I think he was playing better football before he got injured last season than he's ever played than yeah. even his MVP season. Like, is it, I guess, just with Lamar Jackson, does it just always come back to, like, the running quarterback thing? Because all he's done as a starting NFL-caliber quarterback is improve every year as a passer and elevate his play every single season. That's the guy that's already won an MVP. Like, how are we making this argument anymore? Like, Lamar Jackson deserves to be one of the five highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think he will get that eventually from the Baltimore Ravens, and he should be talked about in that group because when he was playing healthy last year, he was special. Like, I was just like, every week, it was like, Baltimore's got no reason being in this football game. Like, they got no business being as competitive as they are with all the injuries that they suffered before the season even started. And Lamar was just carrying them. Like, it it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Do you remember that Chiefs game? Yes. (laughs) He beat oh, the you should, you should definitely remember the Chiefs yeah. game. Yeah. He, he he hadn't – that was a big knock on him. Like, oh, you can't talk about Mahomes and Jackson because Jackson doesn't beat Mahomes. And Lamar was like, okay, I got it. Like, he, he, he single-handedly beat the Chiefs in that game. He carried them, his entire team, and is the sole reason that they beat the Chiefs in that game because he was absolutely special. His Vikings game was really good. I know he had a good game against the Colts. 
Um, I, I just feel like it always comes back to, and this is not fair, but when you think of Lamar Jackson, there's always going to be people that bring up his playoff record or that game against the Titans in the playoffs. So something that happened a couple of years ago that people are not able to let go, and that's always going to be held against him until he proves it in the playoffs again, which, again, I don't think is fair. But I'm trying to rationalize like where they're coming from, and that's really all I have. But the, the whole point of him being unique is like the reason why people don't think of him highly is why he's so special, right? right. Like the, the reason that like his first playoff game against the Chargers, right? What did the Chargers do? They had to play safeties at inside linebacker. They basically played an entire NFL playoff game Darn. without inside linebackers. That's crazy. But you have to do it when that guy's at quarterback. At the same time, like, there are still people – I know this for a fact. There were still people in the Ravens organization who weren't super sold on Lamar after that first, you know, ha- half season or whatever you want to call it there. And there were when thoughts Flacco that, like – was still there? Yeah. There were thoughts that, like, if this goes poorly, like – there's potential to like make an Eli Manning move or something like that. Like that's, that's how some of these guys think like every, just because people work in the league, this is a good reminder, right? Just because people work in the league doesn't mean that they're the the best football minds. They do work very hard. I will say that like you, you cannot discount that these people work their butts off, but there's a lot of factors and barriers put on in getting into the league that prevents a lot of people getting in. So here's the thing about nepotism. <laughs> yeah, so here, yeah. So here's the thing about nepotism, right? I mean, that, that's really all I have to say about the quarterbacks. I still think – I don't want to brand myself as, like, the anti-Burrow guy, but I'm just, like, every time I see him, like, in this top five area, I'm like, but he's not. Like, he's very yeah. – like. He's not Rodgers. He's not Herbert. He's not Mahomes. He's not Allen. He's not Lamar. He's not that type of guy. But, like, he is fine. Like, I think he's closer to, like, a more efficient Derek Carr, which, like, obviously is in that top 10-ish bubble. But someone ranked him, too. What are you watching? What are you watching? I love Burrow's ability to just like hang in there and not flinch when somebody's coming. Like, that is a valuable massive balls, massive balls. Yeah. and behind that offensive line that he played behind, you kind of have to to survive. And I think he's he's very willing to give his guys a chance to make a play. Like he has great one-on-one wide receivers, and he lets them make plays. So those are two very high-quality trades to have. But he turns the ball over a lot, and there are times when if he has to reset, I've been like I told you guys, I've been watching the Bengals quite a bit um, over this just this last week. When he has to reset, his accuracy drops a bit, and that's when the turnovers start to happen. And his turnovers come in bunches. For whatever reason, uh, the execs didn't fail to mention that um, when he turns the ball over, just when he just doesn't make plays that you would think a quarterback of a top five caliber should make. So, yeah, I agree. I think Burrow should be um, lower. We talked about Russ. Russ shouldn't be that high. But, yeah, that's that's probably pretty much my only qualms. Do you think anybody on this list should be higher? No, I, I think my, my biggest issue is, yeah, Burrow at number five. Like, Herbert, uh, I, I don't think there's a world that exists where – Joe Burrow should be above Justin Herbert. And like you guys were mentioning a lot of this and, you know, the executives and the coaches and stuff like that, they do look at the playoff stuff and and the fact that the chargers missed the playoffs last year and they kind of stumbled at the finish line, which had a lot more to do with their talent and, and overall roster than it did with Justin Herbert, where like we've seen how special he can be. There's things he can do that Joe Burrow simply can't do. And so, 
there's no world we live in where Joe Burrow should be above Justin Herbert on, on any kind of list like that. Like, I, I think that's absolutely egregious on top of leaving Lamar totally off the top 10. Just doesn't make any sense. The other thing I'll say about execs is I think people in general overrate how much film they're actually watching. Like <laughs> right now, right? Like we, us as content creators, right? We really have not that much to do right now. So what are we doing? You're Kyle. You just talked about, hey, I'm watching a ton of right. Bengals film because I have nothing else to do. You know what execs are doing right now? One, it's the only time that they can take vacation. Two, okay, yeah. Yeah. If they're not on vacation spending time with their family, you know what they're doing? They're getting ahead of like contract negotiations because franchise tags in a couple weeks are about to be, you know, expired and stuff. So like they're getting ahead of stuff like that. Like the higher you get up in the ranks, kind of like the less amount of film you're able to watch. There's a reason why you have to delegate a lot of this stuff. Like everyone can't do all. Yeah. Reputation plays a big part in a lot of these rankings. So let's get into the wide receivers now. Cause I, I think there are a couple on, on this list that just, it, it seems like, like you were mentioning, like these execs and coaches getting ready for vacation, they get emailed this checklist and they just like run through it really quick without really putting any thought or effort into it. But their top 10 wide receivers at ESPN, number one, Devontae Adams, number two, Cooper Cup, number three, Jamar Chase, number four, Justin Jefferson, number five, Tyreek Hill, number six, Stefan Diggs, number seven, DeAndre Hopkins, number eight, Mike Evans, number nine, Debo Samuel, and number 10, DK Metcalf. I, I, I can understand the argument with leaving A.J. Brown out of the top 10 because it's like we still haven't seen him play a, a full NFL season and he's had some nagging injuries because I think some of it is his style of play. But I think it's pretty indisputable when we have seen a healthy A.J. Brown on the football field. He is hands down a better all around wide receiver than DK Metcalf. And I do not think that it makes any sense to have DK Metcalf on this list and and AJ Brown not. Yeah. I mean, the Titans offense pretty much was AJ Brown. And when he plays, they win. When he doesn't, they lose. And that is as, you know, cut and dry as I can make it. Uh, He had, when he, when they get him the ball, when they go out of their way to get him the ball, he is dynamite. And at his size, too, he's, he's pretty much unguardable. I just wrote about uh, Traverius Ward, former Chiefs cornerback, and he just, like, out-muscled. He made Traverius Ward look like a 150-pounder. Uh, not a lot of people do that to guys like Traverius Ward. So, yeah, I agree. Um, again, I, I imagine, like, is it because, you know, the health issues? Is, is he getting a knock just because of the offense that he played in? Um, I, I'm not sure what the, what the issue, what the hesitation with crowning A.J. Brown is outside of, um, the injury history. But you would think that his body is going to age well relative to everyone else. Like if he loses a step, like at his size, at his play strength, at his yak ability, like he's still going to be good. I, the, the Him not making it and Hopkins being there at seven, as high as voted as number two on someone's list is kind of crazy to me. Like AJ Brown to me has always been a faster Anquan Bolden and Anquan Bolden is a bubble Hall of Fame player. Like, I, I think AJ is probably going to get there at some point as long as he stays healthy. So, that one's a, a little crazy to me. The other one is Justin Jefferson at four. Justin Jefferson to me is as good as any wide receiver in football. Like, whatever that tier is, I, I think of these guys less as like a one, two, three ranking as much as like in tiers. Justin Jefferson is in that top tier. And the fact that he's behind. Jamar Chase is a little crazy to me. One person had him 
not voted in the top <laughs> 10. Don't understand what you're watching if that's what you think. Like, if you had Justin Jefferson at one, I would be like, yeah, he's in that range. He's in right. that conversation. Yeah. Just, there are no flaws in his game. Yeah. He's, since day one, stepping foot into the NFL, you're just like, okay, that guy's a wide receiver one. Like, that dude's just an alpha wide receiver since the time he set foot on an NFL football field. And Jamar Chase is incredible. Not knocking Jamar Chase at all. But, I mean, we're seeing that some guys are kind of getting lowered because of body of work credits. And Jamar Chase has had one season in the NFL. And we're already putting him in the top three wide receiver conversation where – I think right now in the NFL, it's the deepest it's ever been, like wide receiver talent pool wise. There's just so many guys that are absolutely incredible at the position. Yeah, that might be, again, we talk about like priors, right? And like how people frame everything. Like, how many people watched that LSU offense in 2019 or whatever it was and said, Chase is the better wide receiver than Jefferson? And And how many people like that? Yeah, and they're just always going to think like that. I think with Jefferson, like Adam Thielen is a very good wide receiver. And the minute he stepped onto the field, he was the best receiver. He made Adam Thielen an afterthought. That's probably one of the biggest compliments you can give uh, Jefferson. If we're talking flaws, we're talking like where he can work on. Like maybe um, a defender will get his hand on him and he'll get rerouted, which happens like what, three plays out of 50 plays in a game. Uh, There are just so many plays where he leaves a guy in the dust and it's not close and he can do Anything like not there are receivers on this list who can't run all the routes that you want them to. And Jefferson is not like he does not have those issues. I don't think I, have Nuke run a post corner and see how that works out. I'd right? take like, him over Nuke right now. Yeah. No questions asked. I, I think there's also a case for Mike Evans to be a little bit higher on this. It feels like we've been chasing the decline of Mike Evans for years now. And, and he just keeps putting up thousand yard seasons like he, he still just continues to be spectacular and i don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon as long as tom brady decides to not retire and i know we talked about this like it's not necessarily like a a one two three kind of thing i understand why Devontae adams is number one and i don't necessarily disagree with it but if cooper cup can't be number one coming off the season that he just put up like triple crown winner super bowl mvp like just absolutely unstoppable playmaker for that offense, then Cooper Cup's just never going to be considered the number one wide receiver in football. Right. Yeah, he he's special, man. Um, I remember the Athletics' Nate Tice put out a clip of Cooper Cup last offseason, and it was something as simple as winning inside against a Dolphins cornerback. And I saw that route, and I was like, holy smokes, man, this guy is about to take off. And sure enough – like all you see is him winning against anybody, against everybody, against every route that he went, uh, every route that he runs. And you almost know what's coming based on his alignment. And he still gets open, which is, again, a credit to him. I, I'm, I'm glad that he's getting the recognition and I'm glad that he's no longer labeled as just like a slot only receiver because he is unstoppable. I mean, he's the highest we've ever seen a superstar slot, right? Like, I mean, think about uh, what a decade ago maybe even less, like seven years ago, top slots ever in NFL history were probably like, just in terms of production, right? Like Julian Edelman and Randall Cobb. Like what Cup is able to do is totally different than what they're able to do. He's almost like 
He's so much better than both of those guys. He's almost like proof of concept that like you can have that superstar slot wide receiver and like you can run your offense through him, and it's not, it's not a complimentary role, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I guess the knock is like you know the way they utilize him in that offense. He's not going against number one corners the way that Devonte Adams is all the time. But it's like. <laughs> And He's catching a whole lot of balls over the middle, though. I mean, yeah. I'm sure his and body feels like, it. But at some point, the production speaks for itself. Like, if he's just yeah. a totally unstoppable playmaker, <laughs> that the fact that he's coming out of the slot shouldn't matter that much because NFL, he, he NFL is. Teams, NFL teams aren't going into games and being like, well, we have to give him eight yards every single play if he gets a target just because he's a slot receiver. Like, they're trying to stop him. They know they, know they want to throw the cup. Please believe he's getting doubled in these games yes. and he's still beating double coverage. Yeah. Yes. Don't fall for uh, – he doesn't have uh, the number one corner shadowing him. There's a linebacker. There's a safety. There's there's probably two sets of eyes at the very least on him at all times and he's still getting open. Yeah. Like he He's just that special. Like he's just an absolutely incredible talent. And last thing on wide receivers, I just want to mention, there was also an honorable mention for Michael Thomas, who hasn't played in two years. So <laughs> if, you want to take, if you don't want to take these very seriously, I totally get it, because Michael Thomas does not belong anywhere near this list at this point in his career. But let's get into the edge rushers before we take a quick timeout. Uh, number one, TJ Watt. Number two, Miles Garrett. Number three, Nick Bosa. Number four, Joey Bosa. Number five, Max Crosby. Number six, Von Miller. Number seven, Chandler Jones. Number eight, Brian Burns. Number nine, Khalil Mack. And number 10, Cameron Jordan. Um, and honorable mentions, Trey Hendrickson, Chase Young, Daniel Hunter, Shaq Barrett, Demarcus Lawrence. Um, I, I don't have massive, like, glaring issues with, with anybody on this list, uh, especially not the top three. I, I think they actually did kind of nail that, at least for me. I, I kind of think Max might be rated a little too high, but like he's still in the same kind of range, like you said, right? The top three are nailed. Then it's the next tier, right? So he's in the he's in the right tier. I think Hunter not being there is a little bit of a question mark, but like obviously he had an injury that he had to deal with. Chase Young, same type of thing. Zadarius Smith is the only other guy that I'd be like maybe like if he got healthy. Um, and he was able to recover off of a back injury. Like maybe he should be in the conversation, but like, there's not too much to nitpick about. In my opinion, the big thing is, I guess, Cleo Mack being number nine. I think he's too low. Like he played through an injury basically all of last season and he didn't really have anyone around him. Like you, you had Akeem Hicks being banged up. You had, you know, I guess, Robert Quinn outside of him, but like, I don't know, man, Mack to me, when he's healthy, he's still as good as like a Von Miller and stuff, and they didn't treat him the same. Yeah, that tier, I, I imagine um, that tier of Vaughn, Chandler Jones, and um, Khalil Mack should all probably would all probably be in the tier two if we were doing that. So, see, like um, those those are all guys that I would have at the very least, like in the conversation with Max, which like makes sense, right? When we were talking about how that kind of tier split, it, I just wouldn't have. Max as that top guy in that next year. I think that's totally how I feel. And like, you know, if I had to pick one guy in the honorable mention that I think could like legitimately like shoot up into that top conversation, it's probably Chase Young if he if he comes back fully healthy mm -hmm. next season. Uh, just based on his ability and what we saw from him as a rookie, I still think that he could be a really special player. But 
other than that, I, I don't have any huge uh, gripes uh, with the edge rushers uh, on this list. But let's take a quick timeout. When we get back, we will get into some linebackers as well as running backs and safeties. That's coming up next on NFL University. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. We are discussing ESPN's top 10 positional rankings as polled by coaches, executives, players, and, and kind of going through some of our, our bigger gripes on the list this year. We already went through quarterbacks, we already went through wide receivers, and we already went through edge rushers. Now we get into the linebackers, and I do think this is a position where you can kind of see it's a little bit more name recognition than it is necessarily like you're confident that they're breaking down the film and watching every snap of these linebackers or something like that, because it feels like they're just like, oh, Devin White, we know him. He got drafted high. Let's put him high on our list. Somebody ranked Bobby Wagner third. Yeah, that's funny. What are we doing, man? Bobby, Bobby's not good anymore. Bobby's washed. He's at, at the very least has taken a, a significant step back. I mean, wow. someone ranked Devin White first. I don't think Devin White had a good year last year. Devin I'm White either. in 2020 was very good, right? He, I mean, he made second team all pro for what he did. And his second year in the league was a first round pick, all that stuff. Tampa went on a Super Bowl run. We understand that. And maybe that's what they're leaning on. But like, I don't think he was good last year. And he was ranked fourth as high as number one. That's crazy to me. What do you do with Micah Parsons? Do you count him as a linebacker? Do you count him as an edge rusher? Because he should be like on, yeah. on one of these lists. There's no doubt. He was spectacular last year, and he should get recognition. But I think you I probably, if you're going off of last year, you count him as an edge rusher because right. that's where he was making the most of his contributions. But I think long term, he's probably going to have to play inside backer a little bit more. I think he was so good last year, I would have been fine if he was on both lists. Like if they uh, like would have just voted for him on both lists, I would have been like, eh, no, no issues with that at all. I, I don't like would we put Levante David over Devin White? Because I would personally. Yeah, I would. And he's at he's Devin at number White nine and Devin White's at number four. Number one is insane, man. Um but where'd they get it right here? So I'm glad they put Roquan on this list. I'm glad they put Demario Davis on this list. Both of those guys are very good at what they do. Um, obviously Fred Warner, everybody knows about him. Ooh, 
Yeah, PFF said Fred Warner isn't any good in coverage, though. So, <laughs> Fred Warner, watch the Packers game. Fred Warner dominates the first like, three drives of the Packers game. Literally any game. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, Mercedes uh, <laughs> coughed it up because yep. he, he didn't did. think he didn't think that linebacker was anywhere near him. Beat up on they, the old man. That ain't fair. They ran a play um, where the fullback or the running back went down the seam. And Warner just carries. So Sherman told me that they have a check where Warner just carries whoever number three is, no matter who he is. And I like when I am rewatching some of these games, they will let Warner take a receiver to the corner, like just guard him to the corner one on one. And they're not going to give him any help. It is insane. The responsibilities that they give him. And he just like masters all of it. Like it's no problem. It's it's pretty insane what he can do. I don't think people understand. Um, I, I know it's tough because there's not a lot of stats to back it up, but just, if we're going based on responsibilities, he's pretty easily number one in my book. When KP says he takes number three, where you know he takes number three vertical, whoever number three is, that issue right there is why a lot of teams no longer run the defenses that were played five years ago. Gus right? It's, yeah, it's it's why college football teams run all this match zone stuff, all this man match stuff that creates a lot of these problems. Like you watch that Ohio state Alabama game from what was it? Two years ago in the playoffs, it might've been the national championship. I can't remember how that ended up working out where tough Borland is one-on-one with uh, Jamison Williams and Jamison Williams is, is number three. He just goes vertical. And you're like, there's no way he, he never had a chance to deal with that. Like teams are actively trying to get linebackers on number three going vertical. And the fact that you can just have a Fred Warner who can just say like, yeah, he can do it. Right. is nuts like that changes fundamentally what you could do for the structure everywhere. of your defense literally yeah. everywhere yeah if i had to pick one linebacker in the honorable mentions here i think it's jeremiah wosu koromora for the cleveland browns who he was banged up as a rookie but i think that dude is gonna be an absolute stud and i think he's a name to keep an eye on as we get closer to the season as a guy who could really make an ascension this year for that defense in Cleveland. So he's in a great system. So he plays essentially like a hang defender. Um, He can teleport from sideline to sideline. So he's in a position to make a ton of plays. And I imagine he's going to run into the ball a lot more this year. So I'm I'm pretty excited to see what he's going to do in year two. I still think he was drafted like a round too low. And he was drafted what, like mid mid second? Like I think I had him like right there with Parsons in terms of front seven defenders that year. The one guy I would say for honorable mention, Devondre Campbell is an honorable mention. He was first team all pro last year. Was like player of the month. Yeah, that was weird. Like (laughs) what? Like that that's another thing, right? Like where we talk about priors, like Devondre Campbell was on the street at this like I believe at this time last year. Right? How much weight does that hold on some of these evaluators saying like, "Oh, Campbell can't be ranked that high"? Because I had a chance to sign him, and he was signed for free, basically, right? And was number one linebacker. Then what does that show on like a reflection of my job? Yeah, admit you were wrong. Yeah, never. You have to die. You have to (laughs) die before you admit you're wrong, baby. Yeah, I just think a lot of this stuff is so it's changing constantly and it moves so much that you should constantly be paying attention to like these names and not just picking the guys that you recognize. But 
I think that's what we do um, a, a lot of the times without realizing it. But uh, that's the group of linebackers. Let's get into the running backs now. Number one overall running back, Derrick Henry. Number two, Jonathan Taylor. Number three, Nick Chubb. Number four, Dalvin Cook. Number five, Alvin Kamara. Number six, Joe Mixon. Number seven, Christian McCaffrey. Number eight, Najee Harris. Number nine, Aaron Jones. Number 10, Javante Williams. Honorable mentions, Austin Eckler, Ezekiel Elliott, and Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, this, I feel like, where a lot of it, I feel like it has been priors. This list feels a little bit like projection with having Javante Williams number 10 on the list when he was in a 50-50 timeshare last season with Melvin Gordon. <laughs> and Austin Eckler, I believe, had 18 touchdowns last season and somehow didn't crack the top 10 here. Yeah, this uh, is this the worst one of all the lists? Would you say? I think safety, safety okay. is the worst one. But running back is—I mean, Javante Williams was voted second by someone. John Elway, you're not slick. Right. You're not getting. This, right. You're not getting this past me. Javante Williams, top ten is nuts. I—he's a mid-level back to me. I—I'd rather right now if someone said you can have a shot at whatever Saquon Barkley has left or Javante Williams, where are you take. The bullet? Yeah. I don't get um, it. I really don't get it. Yeah, I think as far as running backs go, even if – so Steve says it's about projection. How much can you project a guy that willingly seeks contact? Like what is his shelf life going to be? Yeah, it's great that he can run over people, but the odds that that's going to be sustainable, like it's, it's just not very high. And you need to be able to create out of the backfield – you're not going to be able to rely on inside zone. Like we mentioned, I mentioned before we got on here, he had a couple hundred yard games, but outside of that, it was a lot of nothing. And, and I would argue that Melvin Gordon was better than him last year um, for what the Broncos did. Like we'll see maybe again, projection, maybe they're expecting to look smart because now they have a new quarterback and now they're going to, you know, they're expected to be a more explosive offense. So they're going to be uh, bigger holes for Javante Williams to run through, but I'm not so sure, man. I, I would, I, if I'm listing the top running backs, I'm not sure that, you know, I'm, I'm putting Javante Williams anywhere near the top 10. I really like Javante Williams talent, but like they brought Melvin Gordon back and pro- some of it probably has to do with that style of play that you mentioned KP where they're like, did we trust that we can give this guy like 300 plus touches? Right. Like the way, the way he's seeking out contact and Melvin Gordon was good last season. So I, I just think I, I believe in the talent there, but having him number 10 on the list, I think is just disrespectful to a guy like Austin Eckler. Even if you don't believe that Austin Eckler, like like he Austin Eckler was exceptional last year and he's one of the better pass catching backs in the NFL. So I think he deserves to be on this top 10 list over Javante Williams, just because of what he did last season. And, you know, I'm a believer in Najee Harris, but having him at number eight, like, I'm not super sure what we're basing that off of. If we're looking at just what he did as a rookie, and I understand his situation wasn't good last season and his offensive line did him absolutely no favors. Like I I believe in his talent, but again, that feels like a projection where we haven't necessarily seen the production at the NFL level, but we're just banking on his talent moving forward this season. I think with Najee, it's like, I I don't know if the numbers are ever going to add up to what his talent is. I, I, I really do like Najee, but everything around him is just not built for him to succeed at this point, and it's not really his fault. I really do think that he's he's in that tier, in that conversation for, for you know, being an athletic freak, right? Like, this was a guy who was, dra- who was 
the number one recruit, I believe, coming out of high school at his yeah. position. Like, he's the reason why the NCAA has all these rules about satellite camps because Michigan was trying to, like, <laughs> go on campus in California trying to set up camps so that they can get an extra look at him and stuff Not like Harbaugh. <laughs> not hard, not Jim. Jim would never. Jim would never salivate at the idea of a super athletic running back. But I, I think I think he was ranked – fairly correct just in terms of like on-field talent because he is like as talented as a guy like a saquon but he hasn't dealt with the injuries with that being said i understand the numbers are not good and they don't look good and i don't know if they're gonna look good this next year yeah he can do everything um pass protect catch the ball out of the backfield um be patient behind the line of scrimmage so we'll see what he does in year two again it's it's probably a bit of projection there how about right in front of him number seven Christian McCaffrey, somebody ranked him as high as five. Um, their justification was, did you see Carolina's offense after he went out? Did you see it when he was in there? Like, what was the difference, yeah. man? Um, I don't – like, when is the last time McCaffrey stayed healthy for even half of the season? This has to be yeah. just name recognition here. I, I'm um, selling all the McCaffrey stuff. And- Aaron Jones is at nine. I'd take Aaron Jones over McCaffrey at this point. I'd take Tony Pollard over Christian McCaffrey. And, and I know hot not takes. a full-time running back. Okay, if we're going hot takes, Javante Williams, number 10, right? What can he do that A.J. Dillon can't? AJ oh, Dillon, Packers podcast, let's do it. Like, A.J. <laughs> Dillon led the team in rushing yards over AJ, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones started 15 games. And he can catch, like, wheel routes out of the backfield at, like, 230 pounds. A.J. Dillon, I'd, I'd take A.J. Dillon over Javante Williams. And I'm certain no one even thought about voting A.J. Dillon on the top 10. No, I take AJ Dillon over a lot of these guys too. Um, He's good. Quadzilla, Quadzilla breakout year. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, like he was a monster coming up. He was a monster in college. So to say that AJ Dillon being good in the NFL is a surprise, especially where he went. Um, I mean, he, he was always going to be good. I mean, just landing in Green Bay. PFF didn't have him ranked at all. Come on. Didn't have him ranked at all in their draft guide. And, you know, we're projecting with Javante Williams, but if we're going to do that, like, I would project A.J. Dillon to have a bigger season this upcoming. Yeah, let's do it. Javante Williams. It's just, uh, even if it's, for the very least, it's the red zone opportunities. Like, A.J. Dillon's just going to get goal line carries, and he's going to score touchdowns because he's – just a monster truck that nobody can tackle. Like, I, I don't know that that's going to be the case with Javante Williams. I feel like a, a lot of it is just kind of hoping and praying that it turns out that way. I do want to, how do you guys feel about Nick Chubb over Dalvin cook? I, I, I love Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb is an incredible player, but I still think I would put Dalvin cook at number three over Chubb. So in my mind, that's they're like one, two. They've always been one, two. I don't know that, you know, Derek Henry is Derek Henry and he has a reputation that he has, but I just think it's about running backs about getting downhill as fast as you can. And those two are the best at that. And they're just comfortably the best running backs in my mind. So if you, if you said you like Nick Chubb better, if you said you like Dalvin Cook better, wouldn't argue um, just for what the NFL asks of running backs. I feel like out of the backfield, as far as, you know, cause once you get downhill, uh, well, with their speed, they can create a lot or eliminate a lot of angles from the second level guys. And that's how they have all these explosive runs. And they're just, um, they're not hesitant. And a lot of these running backs are, 
they just second guess themselves. And that's just not an issue for either Chubb or Dalvin. So uh, I wouldn't argue with anybody putting them one or two. That's, that's where I would ramp over them. I think Dalvin's a better pass catcher for sure. Than, than Chubb out of the backfield, especially the way the offenses are constructed. But I think Chubb is – Chubb to me, I guess it's him or Henry is the best, like, actual, like, runner of the fo- football, like the best one in the NFL. What Chubb can do is nuts. I mean, the news just came out about uh, the, the Baker Mayfield stuff, right, where he's playing Halo for 10 hours a day <laughs> getting ready for that Packers game. You watch that Packers game, Chubb almost – Chubb, if not for the turnovers – would have had the Browns in a position where they could at least compete until the very last second against the Packers, who had the best record in football last year. Like yeah, Chubb, no Chubb is an amazing talent. Down. Chubb's an amazing talent. So my uh, my hot take running back would be honorable mention, and maybe since we're doing projections, I want to see Rashad Penny this year. I think he's gonna surprise a lot of folks. Man. That month, that month got you. <laughs> it really did. Seriously, I mean, he's always shown the explosiveness. If he could just stay healthy, it's it might it might be him this season. I think, it, and even aside from health, I think that what that month showed me is like give this guy an opportunity, man. And those games didn't mean anything, so you know maybe I shouldn't be taking away uh, taking anything away from you know December. But he again, he looked like a guy who didn't didn't hesitate, who had the speed to get around the edge. And when he got around the edge, he made something happen. And, and running back's pretty simple in my mind. And uh, he possessed all the qualities that you want to see. Unleash that Pete Carroll in you. We got to get this guy shot. <laughs> Running the ball, we, baby. We got to see him, man. We got to see him. <laughs> and then you draft Kenneth Walker immediately. Yeah. And then they drafted <laughs> Kenneth Walker. Uh, I think Chris Carson might still be floating around, uh, though. I, I think he's got a pretty serious injury that might affect his career. But Pete's been hyping up Rashad Penny this offseason, too. Pete, right. Let's do it, Pete. The opportunity he gets. So. Draft yeah. a running back to light a fire under him. That's how we do it. <laughs> yeah. That's going to keep him healthy, finally. And drafting a running back in the second round but let's move on to the safeties uh justice already mentioned that he thinks this is the the most screwed up list of them all number one justin simmons number two minka fitzpatrick number three kevin byard number four derwin james number five buddha baker number six jesse bates number seven harrison smith number eight marcus williams number nine antoine winfield number 10 jamal adams um I don't think Jamal Adams has any business being on this list. And I feel like the conversations around him have finally caught up to where everybody's like, Jamal Adams isn't really that good, but the Seahawks are paying him a bunch of money and we keep recognizing him as one of the better safeties in the NFL for some reason. What's the best thing that Jamal Adams does on the football field? Sacks the quarterback. (laughs) All those things we talk about for Fred Warner, Seattle goes out of their way to make sure that he has help or to make sure that he's in this little box so he doesn't have to do anything because teams will isolate him. And when that happens, it's RIP, man. Like, he just doesn't really stand a prayer when he is in one-on-one coverage. Um, I'm Like, reading the quotes about what they're saying about these guys, like for Jamal Adams, where, do you, where are you seeing this at? Like it's, it's a lot of off-field or soft factors, is what I would call them, that have nothing to do with, you know, playing the safety position. His teammate is better than he is. Like, Quandre Diggs – in my opinion, is Kung Fu better than Jamal Adams at safety? I haven't seen Quandre Diggs take a ball to the face mask and just not react <laughs> at all. Yeah, I mean, this is the most jacked up list. Like, even at the high end, like, these guys are guys who deserve to be in the top 10, but, like, I don't think 
so like Justin Simmons, number one, Jesse Bates, number six. No. What are the defining traits that make you like if this was a draft, what would make you say, like, I'm taking Justin Simmons number one over a guy like even like a Minka, right? I know people bash Minka for last year, but like a guy like Minka who has man coverage talent like a corner. What? Yeah, like I, I don't get it. And then you look at the guys who get honorable mentions on this list too, and you're like, they should there's no way that they're not talented enough to make the list, right? You already talked about Quandre Diggs, um, Justin Holland, who I thought had a great year. Uh, go Ducks, by the way. Both of the Bills safeties and Adrian Amos. Like, I think Amos is a guy who deserves to be in the top 10. I know the Bills the Bills are in a weird spot where you could, like, argue neither of their safeties are in the top 10, but they're, like, on that bubble, and they probably have the best safety tandem in football. Like, oh, there's no problem about it. Yeah, like, they've been good for, what, like, Five years now, yeah. <laughs> like Poyer and Micah Hyde are amazing. Like they're they're great together. So I don't know. I think this list is the most jacked up of any of them. And I think like we've seen like the further you get away from the ball, the more these evaluators get wrong. I think that's true. Like that's um, kind of how this has worked out. So yeah, Poyer was like an all pro, right? <laughs> so uh, what's the confusion here? And it's not like he just came out of nowhere. Like he was a Jesse Bates is number six. He can't get a contract right now. It, it feels like Poyer and Hyde like canceled each other out for yeah. being so good. They like, split the Buffalo like vote. They're, <laughs> they're really, really important to what that Buffalo secondary did last season when they didn't have cornerbacks either. Like Jeez. those dudes were so good. They were still a good secondary because they're so incredible. Yeah, this um... – Tyron Matthew getting <laughs> getting votes after his year last year is something. So, all right, let's talk about where they did get right. So, Minka at two, like, that's good, very yeah. good. He is that good, and he will remain that good. Kevin Byer deserves to be high. Derwin James is the best safety in the NFL. Buddha it should be on this list, too. Like, I'm glad he's at five. Uh, he, he can be a bit reckless at times, but – he just does everything for them. But think of think of that, right? Like all the special talents, the special traits that you just listed off. And then at the top, it's Justin Simmons at one. And at six, it's Jesse Bates. All those special talents are wedged in between those two guys who like you're like, yeah, they're pretty good, but they don't really have anything defining or special that like going to the stadium you're worried about. Like you're like, oh, my God, we have to play against Jesse Bates today. So AFC defensive coach for Simmons – who, as you mentioned, number one on this list. If you're judging safety play by who's the most complete and checks the most boxes, he's that guy for me. <laughs> Essentially, like the you're just saying you check average. the box score because he had a bunch of interceptions, and all right, yeah. he's got to be number one. It's I, I totally agree that Derwin James is the best safety in football. Like, And I guess the only knock is like his injury history and his availability, but we've seen Derwin James when he is on the football field he is a game-changing player. Like, he is the most versatile safety in all of football, and he changes everything that secondary can do. Like, I remember last season when they played the Chiefs, and he exited that game early. Like, the Chargers were dominating the Chiefs prior to that injury, and as soon as he got hurt, it was just Mahomes to Kelsey. Nobody can tackle him. Runs for a touchdown. Like, Tyree Kill, long game, long game. Like, they couldn't do any of that stuff before Derwin James got hurt. And as soon as he left that game, it totally changed their secondary. He allowed 21 completions on 41 targets, so 47%. He got his hands on 10 of those 44 passes. 
Like what he's able to do in coverage is unlike any other safety. The Chargers can use him as a slot corner if they want to full time. And you think he would probably be one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And that goes out without all this physicality and like how he is against the run. I remember last year watching him one-on-one against George Kittle. And I've never seen anybody guard Kittle like that. One-on-one. Like not even close, man. It's like he is, he's a one percenter for sure. And he's in all those tough matchups, right? You, you talk about tight ends who line up at wide receiver functionally. The two best guys at that, may, maybe three, right, if you include what Gusecki's doing, but I think he does it at a lower level than these other two, right? It's Waller and Kelsey. And he's playing against those guys four times a year, automatic, every year. He gives Travis Kelsey fits when <laughs> the entire rest of the NFL struggles to stop Travis Kelsey. Like Travis Kelsey does not like playing the Chargers because he does not want to see Derwin James. Like that, that's just how good that dude is. And, you know, I, I think the argument, if you want to make the argument that it's Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick at one and two, like I could hear that. I would still put Derwin James at number one. But I, I think having him at number four is just ridiculous to the level of play that we've seen from him when he is healthy. No doubt about it. Yeah, I would go uh, Derwin, um, Minka, probably Poyer, Bayard, and then, you know, that's when you get into, like, do you like Buddha? Um, but the, the fact that we're talking about uh, – I mean, I haven't even really talked about Bates and Simmons, but – or outside of Simmons, but Bates, like, every you'll, you'll remember – I, maybe I just need to make a clip because I, I told you I've been watching the Bengals. Um, for every interception that he has, he has two missed tackles and he gave up a post behind him in that same game. Like you can't ignore those plays when you're talking yeah. about DBs, man. Like that is a functional part of being a DB is especially um, safeties. Like right. safeties, your job is to not get burned. Nobody like, behind you. Everything Nobody is behind yeah, you. everything is built so that you don't get burned. The reason the 49ers defense is so good is because they don't allow explosive plays. The reason the Bengals struggled is because they allow one-on-one guys behind them. And Bates is a big reason why. So those are our biggest gripes with ESPN's top 10 positional list uh, as ranked by coaches, players, NFL executives. Um, Some of them not great. Some of them pretty spot on. But we just wanted to give you guys our thoughts on that and kind of you know give you our rankings and discuss some of the players that we felt like really got snubbed but we appreciate you listening to this week's edition of nfl university please make sure you subscribe rate and review everything that we're doing on apple and spotify you can follow kp on twitter at kp underscore show you can follow justice at j-u-m-o-s-q i'm steven serta that's where you can find me we'll talk to you guys soon More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.